Strike, O Mighty One, our sacrifice begins. We commence. Spellberg, a podcast about the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. It's time to party like it's 1974. The DCC RPG Annual was released, on PDF anyway, earlier this year, and we are concluding our review of the annual and its numerous fun features. I'm Judge Julian, and with me are Judge Jen. Good evening. And Judge Jeff. Hi, friends. Welcome, friends. Good to see you. I only had one drink to calm my nerves. And give it. A drink of your most expensive. Tavern talk. All right, I'm going to kick it over to Jeff for a little uh, gaming wrap-up for the last couple weeks. What do you got? Uh, well, first of all, Julian, I would like to clarify something. The... DCC Annual is not yet out in PDF form for the public, only for Kickstart backers. So I thought I would do my little comic book nerd correction. I can, <laughs> I can see the Carmine Infantino era hand pointing from the text box into the panel saying, editor's <laughs> note. Um, thank you. Yes. You're welcome. But that said, I have not had any gaming since we last recorded a week and a half ago. So shrug emoji. Uh, but I will be going to Origins uh, later this week. So by the time this episode airs, I will likely have already been there and returned and championed the DCC RPG Tournament. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Very nice. How about you, Jen? Uh, we apologize for any redlining on Jeff's part there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. Um, I, <laughs> well, you know, we pretend. Um, I've been working on a lot for the 2019 Goodman Games yearbook. And hopefully in the next week, I will get enough sleep to recover from jet lag, from family visit, to pull a solid 12 hours of gaming, sorry, of judging on Free RPG Day. Uh, over at Dungeon Games, I'll be doing MCC for one slot and DCC Lankmar for two. And yeah, by the time this airs, sorry guys, um, if you were there, it was probably really cool. Uh, Julian? Uh, no gaming because I have been out of the country in Prague in the mm -hmm. Czech Republic and had a terrific time. I was actually sent by my patron, the Dark Master, to journey to a little town called uh, Kutnahora and go on a pilgrimage to a ossuary beneath a an old uh, abandoned chapel in which there is room after well there's a, it's a one big room but it has a bunch of crazy art made with human bones mm. and uh, it's amazing so i'll put that in the show notes because even on this show, that may be the most metal thing we have ever linked to. <laughs> um, it's awesome. Did you uh, get your picture taken holding the book in front of it? And 
There was a there was a dude touring the Bone Church who looked so much like Wayne Snyder that I kept look <laughs> I kept looking at him and thinking, oh, it's just Wayne's beard. It's not Wayne, but um, the beards were uh, making a, a heavy appearance. Anyway, it was terrific. Uh, that was really cool and had a, an amazing time in Prague. Beer, cheese, and meat, all that <laughs> stuff. Um, so. Uh, enough of that. Kind of sorry, kind of boring. This is what happens when you uh, actually put out shows every couple weeks, I guess. <laughs> Onward. I call upon the flame to suffer you. I will deliver the message for me. I came here to give you these facts. Summon email. All right, so we will continue with emails from uh, early 2019. We're slowly catching up eventually, I hope. And the first one we'll give to Judge Jeff. Oh, well, here I've got one. Let me un unroll this scroll here. It says, hey, spell burnists. One of the things that I love the most about DCC RPG is the art and cartography and advanced modules is no, is no small part of that. Fantasy and dungeon maps have always been a bit of an obsession with me. Uh, probably stemming from my pre-adolescent exposure to Tolkien. I was wondering what your favorite maps are and what you find so compelling about them. Also, regarding cartography and actual play sessions, how do you handle maps? Do you draw them for the players or do you describe them and have a player, and have a player map them? This is how I used to do it back in the Stone Age. Wishing y'all crits, Judge Mike. And I will answer briefly and just say that um, in terms of like dungeon mapping and such, I don't mind sketching it out, but usually I have a very small notebook. So I'll just sketch out the room. And then when they go into the next room, I just sketch out another room. I'm not sketching out a giant map for them because uh, I also think it kind of helps them kind of get immersed within the space they're in and not giving them the context of the larger space uh, all around them. So they can't just easily look at the map and be like, oh yeah, that's where the one door is we haven't gone through yet. They have to remember that that one room forever back had a door they didn't go through. So to me, that's kind of the happy Goldilocks, not too much, not too little, uh, doing a bit for them, but not having to put all of the onus onto the, the players to accurately draw a map. Because for me, there's the, it having a judge carefully explain it to you so the other person is mapping it correctly isn't super compelling or fun gaming <laughs> nice nice timing yes it actually helps a little bit when i'm in when i have the the timer in my hand because i can see when uh, how, how much time i have left so i can kind of like start uh, wrapping up mm. <laughs> so remember listeners judge jeff always has an advantage that's why he's uh he never you know hits the uh timer <laughs> All right, Jeff. Jen, what do you think? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, Judge Mike, when I first started this, I was so excited about the art and the maps, um, especially the earlier maps put together by Doug Kovacs. I would sit there and use an X-Acto blade and cut out each little room and like number the back of it. And then I'd use some of that double-sided sticky tape to slap it on a piece of paper next to the one they just went through. And I would like use whiteout to cover any of the area numbers or the secret doors and all that. I was a little bit obsessed myself. Um, these days, you're lucky if you can get me to pick up a dry erase pen. 
and scrawl out something because um, I can't draw a straight, straight line with a ruler, much less, you know, here's the exact dimensions of the room and blah, 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 blah. Um, so I'm much more fan of theater of the mind and whatnot, or I'll just, you know, hey, if Doug is somewhere nearby, Doug, draw this room for me. <laughs> yes, I will say that um, the, the, you know, it was a revelation when you, I, I, I don't know if you came into DCC later. Well, of course, you, you've, when you picked up your first DCC adventure, then you saw yourself and you had that same moment that we did when it was starting and we saw sailors um, and maybe portal into the stars for the first time. But, you know, when you saw the maps, the way they are um, and, you know, with Doug's cartography, and I think Stefan follows some of the similar uh, qualities of that these days too, when, you know, when he does stuff, it, it really, um, it just totally changed the game as far as dungeon mapping. So uh, I think uh, Lankmar map, of course, has set a, the city map has set a whole different standard. Um, yeah. And I'd say one of my personal favorites that we've never talked about very much on this show, but that I got a little obsessed with when I read it and I'm still kind of obsessed with is the journey to the center of the Aerith and the map, the hex crawl map for that is awesome because it's such a weird, physically different uh, space that uh, I, I just find it really uh, interesting and different, unique. So um, that's probably my vote. Nice. Uh, very good. Uh, let's reach in. And Jen, do you want to take one? Sure. This one looks to come from a Martin Buenicki. And I hope I didn't butcher that too badly. Good evening, judges of the band. I hope this email finds you well. We're big fans of Spellburn at Gaming Honors, and we were wondering if you would consider reviewing our third-party DCC-compatible funnel, the Fe Peasants Fell Bargain. We successfully kickstarted it last year, and we would love to hear your thoughts. If this is a possibility, we would ha be happy to mail you a copy along with the bonus map and encounter we provided as stretch goals, or a PDF if you would prefer. We just need your preferred email address. Thanks so much for considering this. Coincidentally, I had the chance to meet Julian and Jeff at Gen Con two years back. Jeff, you took me and my two boys, along with my friend Rob and his kids, through the adventure with the worm. And Julian, you took us through the cunning crown. I went invisible in an attempt to seize the crown, fooling exactly no one. Alas, it was a fake, and I died with victory in my grasp. Again, hope all is well in the new year, and thanks for your contributions to the DCC community. Well, Martin, I will start off by saying thank you for your email. Uh, as you may or may not have noticed, uh, our emails are a little bit behind, as are our uh, quote-unquote promised re reviews of products. Uh, we we kind of suck at that, so um, we will give it our best shot. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> we, we do review everything. It just takes us a while to get there, a long while to get there. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So, Martin, thank you for the email. Absolutely send in that module, and one of us or more will eventually get around to reading it, and then we'll go ahead and discuss it on the show. Also, I do remember you and your kids and your friend and his kids. That was a lot of fun. 
I think to this day, that's still the only time that all six of my players who RSVP'd at the table all knew each other. So that alone was like kind of a fun trip. Yeah, that, that was cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, good hearing from you. And I hope I see you again at a future con. Yes, and uh, I'm sorry for the spoiler alert on the Cunning Crone, but uh, don't worry. It, things are, all kinds of things happen in that adventure. So go ahead and grab it next time, the listeners, if you happen to be in my session at Gen Con this year. And even better, go invisible. Uh, that's an option. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. All I can say is, uh, Martin, thanks for being a good sport. All right. Uh, thanks uh, for the emails, folks. You can always email us at the Spellburn. Uh, spellburn. Try that again. Okay, guys. <laughs> and I'm not see. This is what happens when you don't drink as you record. You can always email us at the band at spellburn dot com. Let the combat begin. To the death. I behold our hero. Oh, so you want to play rough, eh? Let's take this. Mighty deeds. Let's go over and talk about the annual I Am Raring to Go. Are you guys ready? Let's do this. Most impressively, there are 10 new patrons. And I'm going to, you know, kind of run them down a little bit just very quickly. Um, it's cool, you know, right out of the gate, I'll say that some of these guys are from existing products like. Carnifex from Jewels of the Carnifex, obviously, and uh, Klarvgrok from Intrigue at the Court of Chaos, and I think Newell is also from that adventure. Um, so it was very cool that you you have that sense of continuity, and it's a little bit of a, a shared universe, I would say. Um, I don't know if you guys saw some other ones uh, that had those... Uh, references yeah there are five from intrigue at the court of chaos oh great well and there are the five lords of chaos or or courtiers of chaos or whatever you call them right i think which one so clarv garak is one um i am actually looking at the dcc rpg community research site at smoosh.net i know it hasn't been updated in a while but there's a table of uh dcc deities so, Dizali, Hekinhoda, Klarvgarak, Magog, and Newell oh. are all listed from BCC number 80, which is Intrigue at the Court of Chaos. Oh, cool. Yeah, perfect. So, um, and Dizali adds to our list of female patrons, official Goodman's female patrons, of which, of course, third-party patrons, there's a lot. Oh, nice. So that's kind of cool. Um, the Strangled Bride, which is maybe, not, I mean, okay, so that's a little bit of yeah. a downer. But, um, okay. <laughs> but uh, I thought one thing that was cool, I couldn't remember, maybe it's just my memory, but Dazali actually, these, these patron write-ups are all full-scale, uh, you know, official template uh, from the core book type write-ups. So like Cesar Khan or Babug Babils uh, and Azidaha and so forth from the original core book. So they're 100% full write-ups, uh, I assume by, you know, Michael and Harley and others. Uh, and they're great. I mean, they make up a lot of the meat of the book and they're terrific. Um, but they also have a few little variations for at least two of them. I saw that 
Dizali comes with a curse in addition to patron spells and so on. So that's cool that it's got a curse in the regular uh, uh, DCC format that comes with the patron. Mm-hmm. And also, which one is it? Obite Q. Now, Job knew how to say this. Judge Job knew how to say this, but I sure don't. <laughs> um, but a Obite Q. I'm going to call it that is had sure. actually, I believe a level one, three and five spell. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. kind of different. And I thought that was pretty cool that there's some variety because there's no rule, obviously in DCC that they all have to be level one, two and three spells. Every time they could be two, four and five or right. level, three level fives or whatever the hell you want. The Obita Q level five patron spell is quote unquote genocide. So hold your hate mail Woo-hoo! and I'm not on Facebook. So, <laughs> um, for, uh, you know, whatever, but I, I'd say that's pretty metal um, that you can do some really bad stuff in uh, if, if Obita Q is your patron. And, uh, you know, they, these I, one notices that these guys are uh, kind of on the chaotic and fairly evil side, I would say. Um, I don't know that I found a quote-unquote good patron here. I mean, the, the closest might be the Carnifex, but she's like the, the patron for people like uh, executioners. So she's yeah. awful, but not good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the the Horned King is kind of a fey elf lens type, you know, right. and I mean, um, that's a little less of a, you know, boss, uh, evil, bad guy. Um, well, he actually comes from the straight from Celtic mythology with the, yes. the Grand Hunt. And it's expanded from the write up that you get in Beyond the Black Gate, because you do get a, a little bit of the basic patience. Oh. For him, yeah. But now you've got the patron taint. You've got his extra spells and his spell burn information and all that. Um, I would say similar with Serbok, who shows up in Tower Out of Time. Ah. I've got to say, Julian, looking at this genocide spell more closely, I hadn't really looked at it before. It's kind of disappointing because I look at it's a <laughs> it, it's a fifth level spell. And the highest result that you can get, I just assumed, would decimate out an entire race or an entire type of creature. It just kills 1d6 targets. Uh, wow. The well, maximum result on a 5th level spell kills 1d6 targets within, five, within 300 feet. Hmm. I'm sorry, but that is not a maximum result of a spell called Genocide. And if it's a 5th level <laughs> spell... I, I demand that that is rewritten. <laughs> wow, that's pretty intense. Unacceptable. <laughs> well, they it does it does kill them outright, so I guess that's pretty good. And they have to make a save versus a thirty six or whatever. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, is that a is that a level thirty eight result on a fifth level spell though? That one to six characters die. I mean, one to six characters can die on a good on a good um, magic, magic missile. missile. <laughs> Yeah. Right yeah, I can I can kill one to six characters with like a twenty four on a magic missile. Oh, wait, 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 wait! You I don't think you read at... this entire spell. Okay, one d six targets of a single race within three hundred feet must make a DC thirty five fort save or die instantly. Next sentence. Huh? 
a champion of the race immediately appears to prevent extermination of the entire species. In this, in the case of non-intelligent creatures, a prime representation appears. For intelligent races, one of their deities appears. Combat immediately ensues. If the caster is slain or retreats, nothing happens. Otherwise, all creatures of the same race in existence in every plane or dimension are killed. Oh, okay, thank you. Yes, you're right. I only read the first <laughs> sentence, and I'm like, excuse me? That's not a genocide. Okay, okay. No, you, you get, I, to, you get like... to kill 1d6 just for plan, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then you got to kill, you know, the elf king. To, and, you to know. continue okay. on what Julian was reading, the entire species is effectively exterminated from the campaign world. All slain targets are branded with the symbol of Abidikwe. Yeah, whatever. The, I, I summon Judge Job. And the caster's name. After two weeks, a war party of random law-aligned deity tracks down the caster to exact justice. <laughs> and then champions continue to appear every 1d3 weeks afterwards to try to slay the caster to get back at them. <laughs> For one year and one day. Oh, man. One D, yeah. three weeks for one. So, yeah, that's pretty good. So you're going to have, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Um, you can average 26 of them to have to slay. Yeah, that that could, that's pretty hot. Um, yeah, pretty. Okay. Good. It's pretty good. So I retract my disappointment. <laughs> well, I, I mean, at least we saved our, ourselves an email from Judge Bob or Michael correcting us, right? So that's good. <laughs> So we dodged a bullet. Now I don't even know who the author of that one was at this point. I want to I want to actually um, congratulate you, Jeff, because you've gone you've got it tw twice. You've got things that you wanted, the same thing that you've long complained about or wanted, right? Which is uh, you got two patron spells. Now these are not core wizard spells, but no, you know you could use them as core wizard spells if you wanted. So Surbach, patron, has uh, White Snake Immortality, which if you really like Van Hagar, I guess you can hang with White Snake. <laughs> um, I mean, actually, I'd say yeah. it's superior to Van Hagar, but whatever. Anyway, it's a whole other story. And, and then, I have a really great White Snake story sometime. Remind me and I'll tell you. Okay. And uh, I mean, Tawny Katane, I mean, it's all good. Right. And then, and then um, also, uh, next for Yila Karanuz, the Lizard King, you've got the Shed the Skin spell. And both of these are spells that basically allow wizards to heal. So, okay. you're welcome. Nice. Well done. done. So, Shed the Lizard Skin? Yes, you. As you shed your skin, you uh, heal your wounds. The caster's skin peels away like that of a shedding lizard, taking some of his wounds with him. And then you regain hit points or hit die worth of hit points, and then lose a physical ability point. Oh well. Details. So you're basically spell burning stat points to get hit points in exchange. Okay, interesting. Hmm. Now with White yeah. Snake Immortality, it's a that one varies a little more in itself. Those are kind of temp. Those are like temporary hit points. I see. Oh, oh but and it, and you okay, and you get a yeah, you become immortal. Yeah, or you can you just can uh, you can make a spectral boa constrictor envelop and uh, you know. So yeah, it's all good. Um, so. Uh, you know, no more complaining about wizards not being able to heal. Wizards can heal and I'm out. 
that's uh, <laughs> um, and <laughs> I will say there's also some two different patrons have a lot of warfare combat oriented stuff. You've got uh, Magog or Magog and Newell um, who have a lot of battle oriented spells, including uh, Ogre Morph, I think it's called, that mm-hmm. allows the uh, wizard to turn into an ogre. Uh, so that's pretty neat. I think uh, definitely would be fun uh, be able to wade into combat as an ogre now and then and uh, wreak some havoc hand to hand. So, well, you know how I am. So there you go. There you have it. Uh, the patrons are pretty fun. And obviously there's just a ton of stuff. Uh, obviously you can and would use them for bad guys as well as patrons for your uh, PCs. Uh, what else? What else do you guys want to talk about for patrons? For the they patron- look pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is. I will say this is where the Russ Nicholson art comes, and it's some of it is you know awesome. Oh, yeah. Obviously awesome. Oh yeah, all the Magog stuff that he did is very cool. One of the things I really love about the Carnifex is that it says that only one person can be uh, basically her favored. So hmm. only one person is really uh, able to bond with her. In and, the party or in like the plane of existence? Um, I'm going to say yes. Okay. And it, it's kind of interesting because then you become the favored if, if she is your patron. And she will actually defend you as a jealous lover kind of thing. Hmm. But that also means, of course, that you might have some rival suitors who would try to slay you, which could be great. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, from judge perspective, I find no problem with this, Julian. Exactly. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. I think uh, what you know, just talking about some of the little things that are uh, sort of differentiating here, um, because there's a lot of neat stuff there. The uh, the patron taint, if you look at the Hakenhoda uh, one, there, <laughs> there is a patron taint effect that grows you a face on your body. And they've actually put a random table in for the location, the personality, and the spell uh, that it knows. So um, there's a, and there's a funny picture of a uh, wizard... Uh, with a spell on her butt, um, which is, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, there's there. That's a uh, it's an interesting place to put a, a, a scroll. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a uh, <laughs> it's not a chainmail bikini picture, I wouldn't say, and it's uh, mm-hmm. but it makes it gets the point across, I guess. What page is this? Uh, sixty six. As we all flip to our, I'm I'm anti elf, and uh, the the mage is is definitely an elf, so I think it's all good. <laughs> That's good. So, um, patrons, yeah, I think uh, this is just terrific in terms of being able to give you a a lot of new stuff. Um, the art on these sections is great. There's a you know just enough things in here to what I really like about seeing the curse and seeing the level five spell and so on is that um, it reminds you that 
these are full detailed write-ups and they often kind of use the same template but they're but judges should feel free to vary the spell levels to throw a curse in to have a different number of patron taints or do patron taint a whole different way and just all that stuff like these aren't a biblical way you have to always do it these are just uh, a lot of mm-hmm. fun, flavorful detail that you should change when it makes sense to. Um, so, uh, and I, I will also add that for Serbok, I had the pleasure of playtesting this back in my days of having a campaign going, and the level one and two spells, Child of the Serpent and Skin of the Eel. Uh, it's essentially either granting you additional AC for the first one, or Skin of the Eel allows you to become an electric eel and shoot out lightning. Mm. Uh, so they really can be fun in play. That's pretty cool. I would also add that you know the way that I play DCC or the way that I run DCC when I'm doing a campaign style out of my home is that wizards have access to all level spells and all cleric and wizard spells and we roll on a table to figure out which spell you get i would totally include all of these spells in there just for funsies for a whole variety of like extra flavorful crazy stuff because why the heck not i would oh, like, I like a that. Copy of that expanded table jeff hmm? that would be awesome i would what love would a copy be? of your expanded table oh sure yeah but it's, it's i i have it That'd i have it in fun. a google sheet I would I would like a copy of your expanded table with all these spells added in. That would be that sure. would be awesome. Do, do you give it right? Do you have <laughs> do you currently have it with all the patron spells in your table? I don't, and now that I'm saying that, I'm realizing that that is a shortcoming of it, and I'm going to go ahead and redo it, add those in, and uh, heck, we we can go ahead and link to it. I can share it, make it public, and we can link to it in the show notes if we want. That's awesome. Woo-hoo, yeah, let's do it. It's a D1000 table currently. Maybe that'll have to change. Maybe it'll be a, a, a D1200 uh, or something. D1000? <laughs> How uh, Do you have like in the many other products then too? Like a lot of third-party stuff? You know, I don't, I don't, I'll have to go back and look at it. But um, no, it's, it's just, it's giving different spells, different weights. Oh, ah. got it, got it. Because some spells are going to be more common and some spells are going to be less common. So although you can get access to a fifth level spell as a first level wizard, potentially, it's those, those spells are much rarer. So you're less likely to roll up a fifth level spell and it's going to be much harder for you to cast because on a fifth level spell, the minimum result is what, like an 18 plus or something? Right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So you're going to be losing it most of the time to try to cast it anyway. That's funny because I was just thinking today yeah. that it would be that I should let people have spells of whatever level that you know they find basically, right? Yeah. Um, that that's how I do it, and my my reasoning behind it is a a low level wizard will lose it most of the time if it's a high level spell, and b we have these really awesome, super fun, flavorful spells that are super high level that we never see in play because we don't ever. It's so rare that we're playing characters or running games with characters that even have access to spells of that level. Yeah. So if we're going to spend all the time writing it, let's let's get it into play. Yeah. Oh, I love well, it. Let's. At least let's... Throw it in as a scroll that somebody can find. And, that too. And, and learn. Yeah. All of the above. Cool. No. And the thieves can access it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, good stuff. All right. Uh, we ready for rings? Sure. 
Uh, there is a whole thing in here on enchanting rings, how to make them and the process and stuff. Now, one thing right off the bat that comes as no surprise, I suppose, for DCC folks is, you know, it does say, okay, here's the level you should be to be able to do this. Here's the, you know, power level of the ring. There's a minor, major, and greater. Here's the cost of materials and stuff. But then... What it uh, introduces that's very flavorful and fun is there's a page with several random tables. I think it's 122 that talks about the uh, weird stuff you can do and acquire and so on to make the, the spell easier to cast. That, that is important because the spell is the actual enchanting of the ring is very tough. And so the more weird stuff you you get and gain and help that you get to do it, then the better a chance of actually successfully casting the uh, the enchant the ring spell be becomes. And this is sort of, uh, I think, alluded to basically in the uh, making of the ghost ring by Mr. Curtis. Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, the, the PCs have to help her do stuff to... Uh, uh, get the the ring enchanted right, but it, but to do a greater ring enchantment, uh, you you're actually start at a minus eight dice penalty on your spell. So adding the weird uh, ingredients and requirements such as assistance needed and um, processes and jewels and so forth then it, it knocks off your penalties and makes it easier than for you to do. What I really love cool. about this one is that it's presented as a ritual as opposed to a spell that you have to learn as one of your spells. Oh, yeah, yeah. Things like magic staff or uh, make potion, those are great spells, but they're super expensive to pull off. They take a lot of time and they take up a slot in your spell book. So what good are they on a day-to-day -day basis, really? So I, I really like the way this one is, is approached. Yes, and I think this uh, there is a enchant ring spell, isn't there? Mm -hmm. I don't recall that. He, re <laughs> he, he refers to making a spell check for enchant ring. Now, I haven't run a lot of high-level campaigns, so it, I'm not familiar with it, and maybe... I, I think it's referring to this ritual in, in, in and of itself, I should say. Ah, yeah, you might be right. Uh, well, you rather than that, you probably are right. I would assume you're basically right. There, there's nothing on page 127 that alludes to that. You've got the wizard staff and which is level two, make potion is level three. Um, there's not even a, you know, oh, right magic, I suppose, would be the creation of a scroll. That's level three. And I just opened up the PDF of the core book and did a control F for enchant ring and nothing came up. <laughs> and now I'm scrolling through the 19 result for just the word ring. Oh, there is a wands, rods, rings, and other items section. Yeah. Rings make it unique. After, yeah. Yeah, there may be, is there a spell in that section is the question. 
There is not. Now that I'm here, no, there's not. It's just a little thing. Huh. Interesting. It's, it's like a, it's two columns basically telling you to make them unique, um, talking about the predictability of spell use powers. Ah, yes. Page 374. Yeah. 374, 375. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, well, I, I think the, uh, I think he's probably, um, this is a. This strikes me as Mr. Curtis, so I'm just sort of thinking this is his. So I, I might be wrong, but um, I think he's basically saying the following. Uh, yes. Oh, the fourth. You need to know a fourth level wizard spell enchant ring explained herein. So, uh -huh. so it's interesting because hmm. it doesn't actually have a spell table, but it's basically as if the entire chapter is the is the spell. <laughs> Uh, itself, which is, you know, why not? <laughs> so it does take up a slot in your spell book. It, then. Yeah, yeah. Screw that. I'm treating it as a ritual. Sorry, Jen. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, you're not, you're not, it's not a spell. You're not allowed to do that, Jen. It says you have to. It's, it says you have to have the spell. As you, as you all know, ECC <laughs> is is the game of scrupulously following everything. To the game. Um, oh, yeah. So the magic rings. Uh, enough said. Um, too many magic rings and this stuff. Anyway, let's move on. So, patron web. <laughs> uh, we'll do something a little fun. Uh, just uh, as an overview, patron weapons are the, uh, the, this is quite funny and it, it's a two edged sword, haha, so to speak, because, uh, <laughs> these, it actually gives you the process by which, uh, patrons might, uh, actually punish a poor performing, uh, PC or NPC by imprisoning them in a weapon, the caster's body falls into a deep slumber and cannot be roused. The caster's mind awakes, awakes imprisoned within a patron weapon. The sleeping body must be cared for or will waste away. Um, so there's a few <laughs> random suggestions, but then the PC might be uh, imprisoned in a weapon, or of course the PCs might find a patron weapon. And uh, so the patron weapon uh, works as this. The, the patron imprisons a high-level wizard that it's angry with uh, inside the weapon. The weapon then is found. Uh, the weapon has all kinds of cool powers that make it very useful to PCs. But um, there is a curse attached to the weapon, which is its mission, something that it must do for the patron to be freed from the weapon. And then, of course, we'll try to make the PC or maybe even NPC, uh, do that task. So there's just a ton of flavor and questing type stuff. Um, and since I'm a patron of uh, Jason Hobbs for his um, Hobbs and OSR show or whatever it's called, so, um, I'm going to imprison him in a weapon. So uh, let's do it. Um, so... Uh, let's see. This is why we don't have a Patreon thing, right? Because it's dangerous to take a frickin' patron, people. I'm telling you. It is. This is the kind of stuff, Jason, that can happen to you if you're not careful. So, <laughs> all right. Um, here, let's see. We're going to... First of all, we have to determine the item of imprisonment. So, 
I got a one, so it's a melee weapon. It's the same as the PC's primary melee weapon. Um, okay. He's not really cool enough to have a good sword or something, so we'll call it a spear. It might just be like a sharpened stick. Um, he might, and actually, maybe for for Jason Hobbs, it's not even a melee weapon, as an M E L E E. It might be a melee weapon, as an M E A L E Y. <laughs> it's an oatmeal. No, no, like, like <laughs> it's a fire hardened spear. It's definitely a fire hardened spear. Isn't that what they call it in MCC? Kind of primitive, but um, it gets the job done when you. Okay. You know, okay. So he's got a fire hardened okay. spear, and. Okay. Uh, now we need to determine the patron weapon characteristics. So uh, let's see. Dun, dun, dun. We're going off his intelligence. <laughs> oh, Hobbs, I'm so sorry. Well, <laughs> let's. We're we're going to be charitable and say um, on the sort of let's just say eight to twelve. You know, on the average. Uh, so. Or if you wanted to, you could roll three d four. No, we'll say it to 12. No. <laughs> um, so location, um, one, you know, one day we might summon the Hobbs and have him on the show to defend himself, but not today. <laughs> so uh, uh, for that, okay. if a uh, communication is empathy, he just, he is very empathic and emotive. Obviously, he lets us know how he feels, so that makes sense. Uh, he has a 50% chance of a type one power so let's see i'll just make that as and that would be on the magic sword power from the main book yeah right? and let's see i got a 93 so nope nothing okay uh, don't have to worry about that uh and but you do have a um first level patron spell so i'm just going to roll a d10 and then a d3 and kind of try to figure that out uh, let's see. Let's see. And one first level spell roll. Let's see. We'll do a D30. Both of those would be once per day. Yeah. Okay. Let me check my stuff here. D10. It looks like Dazali. And uh, I think this is going to be. Uh, let's see. Where is Dazali? And detect number one, detect deception for Dizali. So okay. patron spell is detect deception and flipping to my book. Uh least one twenty-seven in your hymnal. Uh sleep for the spell list. Sleep, it looks like, <laughs> yes. And it looks like you get to cast both of those on a D12. Mm. This is not this is not the greatest weapon of all time. Um, enough said. So um, <laughs> uh, you can detect detect deception could be really you know useful in those uh, moments when you're trying to negotiate with uh, bad guys and all that good stuff. Um, sleep. You know, mm -hmm. when you're listening to random screeds and uh, other type, <laughs> it might. Um, anyway, so okay. we uh, so give us Julian, give us a D thirty and tell us how we can remove this curse. Oh yes, uh, let's see. <laughs> um, Jen, you got the table there. Eight. 
Oh. Um, so we'd have to drive all the followers of a rival patron or deity from the city. Hmm. Um, yeah, Hobbs is screwed. Sorry. Um, I mean, Julian's not going anywhere, right? Hey, you know, it's, it just depends on the city is probably <laughs> the thing, right? Yes. So wait, we'd Which have to city? drive. Yeah. Okay. yeah it has. So drive all the followers Whoa. of a rival patron or deity from the city. So I'm the patron. So you'd have to drive. No, you. I'm the. I'm the patron. So he'd have to drive all like. Um, like Jeff's followers from the city. If we don't pick Brooklyn or Cleveland, we should be okay. I mean, but, you know, I'm not going to make it easy, right? We can find one of those little small towns where the, the occupation is like, or the population is 28, and we can just drive all of them out. Right, right. Okay. And then hops will be restored. So, um, as you can see, it doesn't take uh, that long. Um, you can obviously go nuts with it and make quite a powerful weapon. This is something, of course, you can actually... I love the two-way nature of it. You can uh, do this to a PC, but you can also have your folks find it, and then uh, this becomes a real pain in their butt. Um, uh, enough said. Uh, let's look at books. I like the books. Books are fun. It starts off with a little bit of um, books that you might find and cause you a lot of trouble type stuff. Or Although real quick, I would like to say I do love the super Elric-y image on the curse removal page of the patron weapons. I think that's cool. We've got Elric there, our little yeah. pale albino yeah. with his uh, black with his big cursed black sword. But sorry, uh, I, just, I wanted to just take that in before we moved on. Uh, Russ Nicholson, of course, right? I think that one. No, actually, that one is Bradley. Which one? Uh, Isn't it? Oh yeah, that's a BKM. Which one? Which page? Uh, uh, that's the top of page one thirty. Oh 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 yeah 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 yeah. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, that's extremely Elricky. At least yes. at least as much as the back of the cover of White Plume Mountain, right? Okay. <laughs> um, just trying to make me make my chore of doing the show notes really uh, as tough as possible, I guess. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, for <laughs> books, we have uh, some books that are a uh, pain in the butt, as I said, and then uh, stuff, your, stuff to tuck into a library that your characters run across or even just a casual little shelf. And then there's actually a section on living book bearers who serve wizards and have books built into them. And these are... I love these guys. They're so creepy. They're, it's really creepy. There are uh, two excellent Stefan Pogue pictures depicting these unfortunate folks. Um, and uh, it's really, it's just really fun with a little random table of notes. Um, I mean, the one that is statted out says it has the headless body of a man and woman melded together front to back so that their four legs provide crab-wise or crab-like locomotion. Uh, and then their hands are held up to present whatever book is placed upon them or to turn pages as commanded. That is so squeaky. It ain't right. And <laughs> squeaky and awesome. Um, they're immortal. I mean, they, they can't be slain by mortal means anyway. And they regenerate. And... 
it's only when the wizard is reading that the book bearer remains absolutely still. I also love that the one on the top of page 134 is being chained by its nose ring. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> That's just a lovely, gruesome touch. And and then he has little face knee pads like Doug does, even though this is a Stefan art. I, I think he this is in the Kovaxian style, actually, because there's a little fairy in the background that almost looks like a little Doug fairy that he sometimes does. It's really... Yeah, and, and the runes coming from the wizard's fingers, like almost, I, I could imagine one of them being the upside down two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Huh. Funny. No wonder. Okay. And then we get a table of books that might be found on the back of a random book bearer. And, I mean, I, I love it. You've got anything from folk recipes from the Shutter Mountains to uh, Alchemy of the Flesh Vats by Ostanis the Persian. Or the Achroma Service and Technical Manual, version 3.14. Nice. A little uh, MCC shout out there. Right. That's good. I mean, a little bit of everything, and it gives you so many ideas of what you could pre-populate out there as, as a judge. It's too bad there's no MCC stuff, but maybe we're waiting for the MCC annual. Okay, so 2023? Yeah, something like that. Okay. All right. So, next, named swords. Uh, this section is uh, actually nice because even though mostly DCC gives you random tables to make your own stuff, which is perfectly good, um, they've actually somebody has done an awesome job in putting together. Um, is it five or six? I think it's six named swords, and they're all pretty cool. The illustrations are great. If I had to Ten, pick one. I just had a 12. Yeah. <laughs> named swords? Yeah. yeah. Each one is on a separate page. Each one has a oh very gosh. detailed illustration of it. Oh. Um, and, I mean, anyone who's played through or run through any of, like, Job Bittman's modules, they always contain a named magical sword or weapon of some sort. These are awesome because you get the entire history behind them. Yes. So my, as well as all various effects. My, my favorite being Zlobato's wand, which is actually made from a, a forked tongue of a demon from the hell of 13 metals. And then the hilt is made from a flying turtle-like being of law so that the blade attacks lawful creatures and the hilt is, has bonus to attack uh, chaos creatures. So it's both <laughs> a lawful and chaotic artifact whose um, properties are actually in conflict and might work against each other or even have differing goals for the wielder and so on. So, uh, the, you know, and that's just kind of one of the randomly that I that I picked. It's the last one, obviously, in alphabetical order. But, uh, you know, just to give you a flavor. And then these things, you know, all their secret powers and uh, et cetera, et cetera, um, names. But, yeah, a lot of great history. You could just go nuts with just these little one-page things and a great illustration. Um, super flavorful. Um, and takes us into Monsters. So um, there's not a ton that we would want to say about the monsters. There, there is um, a nice little section of demons and uh, 
weird freakish uh, things that go uh, bump in the night. They call it chaos lords, mutants, degenerates, sycophants, servitors, and juggernauts. So these are um, unique, mysterious foes, and uh, I think they're pretty cool. Uh, well, not not all of them are unique, I guess, but these are totally different than just you know taking a page from the. Um, monster manual and converting it into a dcc stat adventure right they're they're pretty different and totally messed up but then the, additionally they have um a page in here they have a bunch of things like dcc bugs dcc mutants dcc constructs where there are a collection of random tables so that you can create your own golems uh, giants, bugs, uh, you know, with their different appearances, their different special powers, and so on and so forth. So uh, they're all great. And it's a little bit maybe like a slightly less version of the demon generation stuff in the in the core book, I would say. Um, anything you guys want to add on to that? I like the addition of the Therianthropes. Because they're not all just lycanthropes. Yeah. And all of the different possible abilities or or drawbacks to each of them. But, yeah, so many of the random tables have, okay, determine X number of these, X number of these. And, yeah, it's very much like creating uh, the demon stats in the main book. But you can have it for giants, reptiles servitors constructs i mean all sorts of stuff i'm digging the random giants table i'm taking a look at it here um i think this is pretty fun you've got lots of like little random kind of weird things you can attach onto them um things just like i mean uh, what are some of the ones here we've what is this this first table here is their giant personal trait so it might just be like tattoos and things like that but i like the giant abilities d30 um you've got your amphibious giant you've got your giant with your extra heads you've got your prophecy giant um your your giant that turns invisible um yeah i think these are fun i would say in general with any of these dcc monster random tables they can sometimes take a little bit to generate. So if you are going to use them, I would encourage that you roll them prior to your game session, not mid-game session. Um, but yeah, it's fun. It's flavorful. Good point. Yeah. I, I mean, that would definitely... You'd, you'd have to pause a little bit. Um, some of them would could probably go pretty quick, but even if you did that, you'd want to at least... If you really wanted to surprise yourself, you'd at least want to review the... the uh, section pretty you know in some detail and then be able to really whip it out pretty fast um or make yourself four five or ten of them ahead of time and then just make a little deck with them uh, or and shuffle them up and pick one at random when called upon you know that way yeah really it's not too much different than if you're running sailors on the Starless Sea, and you're in that scene with the multiple beastmen, rather than taking the time to try to figure out which ones are attacking who, you know, have them pre-generated. Right, or even just take one of the tables 
with the with how they look and just keep referring to that as you're attacking with them, right? Like you don't have to do the full fledged generation probably. And I'm planning to run sailors for some old friends soon, I hope. That's true because at least in sailors they don't all have the unique attack abilities and stuff. Whereas these get much more in depth. <laughs> sailors is tough enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay so um yeah the therianthrope thing is is really neat neat and then another thing they've got in here is monstrous patrons which is exactly what it sounds like where monsters are uh actually endowed with patrons and can have patrons attacking them and they have a patron die so that you can roll their patron die. And if, uh, I believe, if that number is actually um, less than the action that the monster is doing, the patron then uh, will come out and help or protect the monster, which could add a lot of uh, hassle for the PCs, obviously. Um, I think, Jen, is this uh, is this similar to the Lankmar patron uh, mechanic? Yeah, th this is undoubtedly my favorite part of the monster chapter in the annual, and probably because it is very similar to the Lankmar patron die rules. Um, only it's a little more simplified here, whereas you have the usually d20 or d24 for your monster's attack. You would roll whatever the monster patron die is, and as long as it is below the attack, uh, the action die result, you look at the number that is on that patron die, and you would go to the invocation table for either the Mother of Monsters or Magog. And vice versa, uh, if it is in, you know, if it's inverse, you would take the number that shows on your action die and look at the patron displeasure table. <laughs> so I like the fact that you don't have to roll any extra dice and you can just see, okay, one of these numbers is greater than the other and that will determine which table you look at. Yes. And yeah, some of these are, uh, whoops. Yes. Uh, patron displeasure table. Uh, one of the results for uh, Magog is that he just comes out and consumes some of those, that monster's life force. You've displeased me. I'm going to eat you. you know? Yes, and and obviously there there's two patrons listed, but they could easily be reskinned and used for anything. And obviously you could make your own. So um, very. Oh, good. And and these invocation tables is their columns listing for whether that monster in question is attacking or spell casting or trying to make a saving throw. Yeah. Yep. So it gives the GM. Or, pardon me, judge, a little bit more leeway on, crap, I'm really getting my butt handed to me. This is supposed to be a climactic battle. I would like to try this monstrous patronage invocation on whichever action I'm attempting here. And so it, it adds in a little bit of unknown for anybody who's actually played in a module, too. Yes. So, I'm enough about huge fan. enough about monsters. I think uh, there's plenty of cool new guys. Plenty of customizing. <laughs> Fine. Well, there's something else that starts with the letter M. We could discuss. Yes, and it's not the lost continent of Moo. <laughs> because we've done that. <laughs> it is 
the stash stash magic mustaches for DCC. Uh, yes, there is a whole chapter, not a super long chapter, but um, there is a chapter with mustaches, types of mustaches, the mustache powers, um, the mustache manifestations, um, <laughs> including, quote unquote, a mustachial effect. Did you edit this, Jen? Is mustachial a word? Uh, it is now. Okay. All right. I mean, I I think it's no secret this is Brendan LaSalle's baby. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's now it's making I, I it's all coming together for me. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yes. It seems very Lasallian. Yeah. I I'm getting oh, so it, the it's obviously ridiculous and a ton of fun and uh what can you say there there are six or seven stash examples uh, including the uh, chevron aka the hue the italian stallion the and the matador and the girl stash the calo which you know so that everybody can get in on it and uh it ends with mustache duels when two creatures with magic mustaches come within one mile of, a, of one another, they are instantly aware of each other's presence. They can choose to mm -hmm. find the other. And <laughs> well, anyway, um, so it, yes, there are, uh, there is a short, um, a semi spell duel inspired, uh, uh, bit of rules for having a stash duel. Um, Involving even with the flow stashian even with the flow stashian disturbance, yes, and and involves you know posing, glaring, combing, giving meaningful looks, judgmental eye tracking, throwing shade, and other things. So, um, yes, the plenty of stashian uh, goodness here, and then we end the annual with a uh, with the famous Kovaxian D two hundred random stuff chart. Which I, I think the verbiage was cleaned up a little bit to make it family friendly, but yeah, you get the idea. Cat in a pot is my favorite, um, <laughs> or at least that's one of the drawings. This has the doesn't this have your um, your artvark heart on it, Judge Jeff? It does, and also in one of the games I was running, I had somebody roll on this table, and they got a I believe a time traveling tin cup, a tin can. Oh wow! Yeah, I believe that's on here somewhere too. Yes. Oh, and also I had somebody who had the anti-gravity raisin. Oh, that's, and, and a lot of these are pretty mundane, but a lot of them are not. So, um, needless to say. Sure. Leather belt. Leather belt. Pin. Coyote pelt. Um, Map. Yes. Eyes of the overworld. A friendly cat. One yeah. 1,000 year old egg. So anyway, Hello. yeah. It's an old egg. Yes. Mm-hmm. One Electrum piece. So there's plenty of stuff there. Um, that's that's a pretty classic little thing. And then you've got uh, just more amazing end art as you uh, get into this. So um, I think that's our annual episode, guys. Uh, anything, I love it. Anything else we want to call out? I feel like we've done a very thorough job. I would say so. Um, that's uh, I think that's going to be it for us today. Thanks for listening. And from the halls of DCC RPG Spellburn 
annual episode number two. Uh, please continue to uh, give us some ratings on uh, on our. Uh, we'll we'll link the where you can go and give us some iTunes ratings. Send us some emails at uh, theband at spellburn dot com. And other than that, uh, game on. You've been listening to Spellburn. Copyright 2017. Theme song has been graciously provided by Glitter Wizard. Learn more at glitterwizard.fancamp.com.